it's that time again. The leaves have fallen. The grass is going away. It's getting brown. Things are getting dark. Time is about to change. It's time to go trick-or-treating. A creepy, darkly comedic celebration of the scariest night of the year from producer Brian Singer and writer-director Michael Daughtery. Trick-or-treat takes the creep show Tales from the Crypt approach to nefarious new depths with four interwoven tales set on Halloween night. A high school principal, moonlights, as a vicious serial killer, the quest of a young virgin for that special someone takes a gruesome turn. A group of teens carries out a cruel prank with disastrous consequences, and a cankerous old man battles a mischievous trick-or-treating demon. Rated R, 82 minutes. Trick or Treat was one of those movies that I saw at the video store. I was working at a video store, and I saw this on the shelf. I believe it didn't really have a theatrical run. Little did I know. This movie would become a cult classic that I wouldn't see for many years until my roommate showed me. And this was an anthology film, four part, like a creep show, Tales from the Crypt, like the like the description said. Start out with the with the trick or treating on the street. You know, we have a couple trick or treating, and then this like pumpkin demon. This guy goes around and brutally murders this woman. But it all sets up everything. We see the old man. We see the the young woman, we see the the virgin, we see all all of the characters that we're gonna play with in this anthology are set up in the beginning. So then it goes from there. What was my favorite part? Favorite part was Brian Cox. Brian Cox, he is in part four. He plays the old man and he goes against this like pumpkin demon. This is Sam. This guy is Sam. Sam goes head to head with Brian Cox in chapter four. And man, that one, that's the one that I remember. So then on this watch, I really enjoyed this movie on the second watch. The movie is really good. does a great job of really interweaving these four stories. It's what you want from a script. You want from a, an anthology. You want everything to come together at the end. And I think this movie really does. The chapter that I really didn't like was the vampires. Anna Paquin's chapter. Vampires aren't really my thing. I haven't really gotten into that stage yet in my life. <laughs> that one just didn't do it for me although the punchline of that and that that uh chapter was great now i will say starts off early on there's this serial killer principal and that guy is hilariously dark he gives this kid like a candy bar and it kills him and then he takes him inside and his son and him carve him up i mean this thing is dark dark comedy you know the neighborhood is very midwest it's set in ohio and he had that feel of halloween it's very familiar if you're going out to trick-or-treat but beware of sam so we got some special features commentary by director michael daughtery additional scenes trick-or-treat trick season's greetings the movie looks great this is a great blu-ray as far as picture quality very good sound very good picture i believe it was shot on film back in 2006 probably you know it had a really high budget 12 million it's pretty high budget for a movie that went pretty much directly to DVD but I think they definitely broke even probably with all the rentals and the, and the cult following um, Tom who was on the show a couple weeks ago he mentioned that Daughtery is working on a part two I'm excited to see what else can happen in this anthology type of storytelling anyways what do you guys think of Truck and Treat have you guys seen it let me know below Mags and I are going to attempt to get one of the boo cups, the boo bowls from McDonald's, the McDonald's Halloween Happy Meals, whatever they're called. We're gonna try, aren't we? She's excited, I'm excited. Let's do it.
is what we're after right there it's called a pail they didn't have any of the Halloween half meals but we didn't get a half meal so it'll have some physical media in it isn't that right hamburgers for me there oh what is this Raven Teen Titans Go Raven you know that one two pictures well I don't know anything about this but uh looks cool let's get to the food though right So un unfortunately, no Halloween box, but we got some treats. But anyways, back to the show. If you're gonna have a birthday party, do not, do not joke around or mess with the Ouija board. Bad things can happen, but you know what? Don't panic. It's Michael's 17th birthday and his friends have decided to surprise him with the ultimate birthday bash, breaking into his house and playing with the Ouija board. But what they think is just a harmless bit of fun quickly turns into a supernatural terror when they unwittingly summon a demonic presence named Virgil, who proceeds to possess someone close to Michael, forcing them to savagely kill anyone and everyone Michael cares about. All the while, Michael begins to have terrifying dreams, which he slowly begins to realize might be visions of the carnage that only he can stop. This is a tribute to the Nightmare on Elm Street films with Freddy Krueger, director Ruben Galindo Jr., who is considered a Mexican horror master. I hadn't heard of him, and you know, I gotta say, I gotta go back and watch some of his stuff. What he does here, the restraint that he shows in the storytelling, there's a lot of setup and tense moments here. And coming from Vinegar Syndrome, who put this out, you know, they put out a lot of stuff that is just, you know, cheesy or, or fun and, you know, you know, not high art. What they put out with Don't Panic is just, it's really well done horror movie. I mean, the restraint here that the director shows, setting up the birthday, setting up the, per the characters i mean you expect there to be some rough patches here and that it doesn't it really you really become invested into michael's journey michael he's really into this this woman the 17th birthday he's got his friends his dad doesn't show up dad stands him up as at his own birthday his mom is an alcoholic he doesn't have a great home life he really relies on his friends but they make the mistake they mess with the ouija board and once the ouija board is messed with things start to go down but what the director does he doesn't give in and go full schlock. He really takes his time and paces out the scares. And that's not to say there's not issues. I mean, the cast is supposed to be 17, 18. They look about 30. If you can get past what they look like, you really buy into some things. And there's some, I mean, there's 80s cheese in here. There's a montage, a corny montage of Michael skipping school with the girl and they hang out. Next day at school, he goes to give her a rose, but she's with another guy. You know, classic, you know, teen romance type stuff. So all that is set up. And then Michael begins having these visions. But again, it all doesn't happen at once. Michael has these visions of his friends dying. The way they die is horrific. His eyes turn red when this happens. You know, there's blood coming out of the ceiling and, and Virgil's hands reaching out and Virgil's face comes out of a TV. All practical effects that are really done well. So what happens when Michael is caught having a vision and trying to explain the vision? His mom thinks he's nuts. Everybody thinks he's crazy for saying all this stuff. So one of his friends witnesses 
the Michael's vision and sees that what's really happening, that it's all real. And so Michael has to figure out a way to save everyone and himself. There's a twist in there where it's revealed that a certain character that is close to Michael has been taken over by this Virgil character who is the demon or the Freddy in this story. This movie is full of great practical effects, great horror, great storytelling, great visuals. Music's okay. Music's fine for the, you know, it's it's an 80s film. It's, it's, it's you know, 40 some years ago. Uh, very low budget. Don't Panic is a very well done B movie. Highly recommend it. This is a newly scanned and restored in 4K from its 35mm negative. So the picture quality is very good. There's a lot of debris still. There's a lot of, the print must have been kind of rough. And, and what Vinegar Syndrome has done is probably the best we're gonna get. Now they could release a 4K. That, that could happen. Depends how popular this movie's selling. It includes both the original English and dubbed Spanish track soundtracks. That's cool. Possessed by Horror, an interview with director Ruben Galindo Jr. Commentary track by Ruben Galindo Jr. Commentary track with Hysteria Continues. An alternate Spanish title, reversible cover art. So yeah, let's check out the packaging. Here's the uh, reverse side. Pretty cool. I definitely recommend this one, especially during the horror season. Give Don't Panic a look, and if you've seen it, let me know what you thought. If you're looking for a mystery slasher with a lot of style, look no further than Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace. Having established a template for the Jallo with the girl who knew too much, Mario Bava set about cementing its rules with Blood and Black Lace. In doing so, he created one of the most influential films ever made, an Italian classic that would spearhead the Jallo genre, provide a prototype for the slasher movie, and have a huge effect on filmmakers as diverse as Dario Argento and Martin Scorsese. Newly restored from the original camera negative, presented here in its original uncut Italian form. This Blu-ray release allows fans to see Blood and Black Lace afresh and offers newcomers the ideal introduction to a major piece of cult filmmaking. Check out this steelbook from Arrow Video. One of the things that I really love about Blood and Black Lace is it opens with a a roll call and not only that there's some crazy colors going on in the beginning you know you have your yellows oranges reds pinks greens mannequins all of these like intricate set pieces and you really get the feel that we're in for something special each character is kind of posing in a certain way and the camera pulls in and and the music really fills it up and it's it's a roll call of the credits it's very unique something that you'd usually see in tv or you'd see at the end of a movie but here we get it in the beginning the movie takes place at a fashion house so you have these attractive italian men and women hanging out high fluting lots of crazy like expensive fashion 60s furniture you know one of the characters says you can see rome from the balcony uh, we don't see rome in the film but it's set in italy and then there's this mass murderer going around killing strangling 
brutally killing people and it's a whole whodunit mystery type thing it's a mystery film it, it, you know who did it who's who is the killer who's behind the mask we find out more about the characters some have drug addictions some are sleeping with each other some are trying to one-up each other and in, in, in the fashion business all set to a great director with an eye for style mario bava the way that he used shadows in this i mean this is a master at work this movie i can see the influence for Scorsese, definitely Argento, who took the giallo in his direction too. But Mario Bava, I believe, started something special here. And, and this movie still holds up for me. It was brutal. I mean, there's you have a woman being, her face being burned, strangled by this mystery murderer with a mask. And then you, you figure out who it is. And, and it's not just one person. It's a team up. Two people are in on this and, and to me that really raised stakes going into the third act because then it becomes a battle between the two of them for who's going to survive, who's going to cover this up. There's a detective on the trail trying to figure out this mystery. So the two of them have to figure out a way to are going to survive together, and blame each other, who's going to one-up each other. The way that Baba directs this frightening at times you know you have people hanging out and then there's all of a sudden a strangling hand with a with a, with a leather glove strangling somebody all of a sudden and brutally murdering somebody on the next street and then people walking up and the way that it's choreographed the camera angles all this is, is groundbreaking for the time for the 60s but yeah the the influence of mario baba i think this this is probably one of his best films it's one that i enjoy and it's one i discovered a couple years ago but man this movie has stuck with me and i think it's it's mostly the visual style, the visual execution. It's more of a whodunit, but the way that Bava takes that script, takes the material, elevates it into this visual, almost like a painting. You know, you're watching like a live action painting. Beautiful film. Highly recommend Blood and Black Lace. I think it's an important film to really recognize as far as the influence on horror and the slasher genre. Let me know what you guys thought of Blood and Black Lace. This has been Return of the Disc. I'm Dan. For more Return of the Disc, visit returnofthedisc.com. Check out the audio version of today's show, available on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel.